0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Donning, the show about the culture of Southern flavor. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. It's the first week of April, and with the warmer temperatures, many people are turning to the grill for the classic taste of barbecue. Patrick Bradley from Nothing But Smoke joins the show today to let us know what to do with your grill and have some good eats this grilling season. Also, we'll highlight an upcoming food event that's bringing together some of the best Mississippi has to offer. You can share your comments and questions this morning by giving us a phone call. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or email the show food at mpbonline.org. This is Deep South Dining from MPB Think Radio.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your
0: iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Well, we've reached the first week of April, and with warmer temperatures, many people are turning to the grill for the classic taste of barbecue. Today, Patrick Bradley from Nothing But Smoke joins us to let us know what to do with your grill to have some good eats this grilling season. Also, we'll highlight an upcoming food event that's bringing together some of Mississippi's best. You can join the conversation with a question or comment. The number is one mpb ring It's 1-877-672-7464 or you send an email to food at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Deborah. Hope that you had a good Easter weekend.
2: Good morning, Kevin. Okay, so yesterday was picture book perfect. It was so gorgeous yesterday. The temperature was beautiful. My grandbaby was the first person that called me early in the morning. She was so excited about her little Easter dress and sang her speech at church. So yeah, yesterday was just really fantastic, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. The weather uh, was just beautiful. A a perfect spring day, uh, nice and sunny, not too hot. Um so I uh, hope everyone had a good Easter. I saw a lot of stuff on Facebook of uh, kids doing uh, the um Easter egg hunts and and uh people in- enjoying the holiday. So um glad hopefully that uh, everybody had a good time. So um you brought in something fresh out of the oven uh, this morning. I know that because it kind of burned my tongue just a little bit, but it was worth it. Uh, so tell us what you brought us in today. First
2: of all, the man said he got burnt and it was worth it. Are you serious? <laughs> oh God. That's a first. But uh, today, Kevin, I made you a country Dutch apple pie. And you're right. It's fresh out of the oven. It's piping hot. I was really scared getting it here this morning because I didn't have time to let it cool at all. Um, but it's just the perfect bite, great scoop of ice cream, you know, with the change of weather. It's just one of those desserts, especially for your Easter table, it would have been perfect, but moving forward, it's just one of those desserts that, you know, it's all American. What's not to love about apple pie, but this apple pie is just Mississippi good.
0: And also I always think that you do such a great job with presentation and it looked really good. You brought it in, uh, in a, in an iron skillet. So that, uh, Made it look, uh, you know, I mean, like I say, that adds to the, the fun of the presentation.
2: I think everybody should have a kitchen full of cast iron, Kevin. You know, first of all, it's going to last forever and ever and ever, but it does. It's one of those, you know, things that you can take straight from the oven, put on your table, and you don't even have to worry about, you know, whether or not I'm plating it right. It's It's just perfect.
0: All right, so uh, if someone wants to add a cast iron skillet to their kitchen, I think uh, don't you have to season it uh, before you use it?
2: Well, absolutely Kevin. You know, even though you can there are products that say that they've already been seasoned for you. I don't know, maybe I'm just a traditional girl, but I'm still going to do that. So it's just simply adding the oil to the base of the the cast iron and even on the outer of the cast iron and then you want to turn the oven up um, to at least 400 degrees and bake it for a couple of hours, you know, just to get that, that nice crispiness of the oil right into the skillet. And and then the other thing, you know, with cast iron is, you know, being very careful about how you clean it. You know, it's not one of those things you can dump in your dishwater and just leave there. You want to make sure you clean it, dry it really well, and I always glaze mine with a little oil when I'm done.
0: All right. Um, and, you know, as you said, uh, it, it's it's very versatile, Um so in addition to the apple pie, you know, again, maybe an overly sim- simple question, but what are some of the things that you can do with your skillet in the kitchen?
2: Well, there is nothing from <laughs> cornbread to Java's favorite macaroni and cheese that you can't do in a cast iron skillet. It's perfect for basting that perfect bur- bird during the holidays or, you know, your ribs. I mean, it, there's absolutely nothing that you can't do in a cast iron skillet. Uh, scrambling some wonderful eggs. I mean, it's just the perfect piece. It's a little heavy so. I I always tell myself I'm getting a workout while I'm cooking, (laughs) Kevin.
0: (laughs) Um, And so, uh, I mean, do they still? Do you have to? Where would you find one? Do most cook shops still? I mean, because it's an old-fashioned, you know, kitchen utensil.
2: Well. Believe it or not, this is so crazy, Kevin. The last cast iron skillet that I bought was at Roses. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always looking, you know, for a dive, you know, from something. Hold on for just
0: a minute. Last week I talked about a a microwave and you made fun of me for having it in 1978. (laughs) You're talking about shopping at Roses now.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, okay, so now you get me back. That's one of my secrets. But you can find cast irons, you know, in most places from Walmart, of course, to Sam's. Uh, and even out at McLean's, they have some wonderful uh, cast iron products that they're selling out there. So it's not hard to find. You can go online and find some, and even Kroger's, your local grocery store, is getting in on the act. And you can find your, you know, your Dutch ovens and your cast iron skillets even at your local grocery store.
0: Uh, but you do, I guess, the you want to have it to be, as you said, it's heavy, but you want one that's thick so you would want to look around and maybe not just grab the first one you had but you really want one that's kind of substantial
2: if it's a real cast iron skillet it's going to it's going to be weighty and that's that's the beautiful part about it and it's an, it's uh the even conduction for cooking <laughs> you know because of the cast iron and because of the weight it makes the most beautiful cornbread Kevin. Ever. It, and I just, I, I don't know, it just reminds me of my grandmother. It's nostalgic. It's also very modern. I, I think Cast Iron will be around long after the Martians have left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they haven't even got here yet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right, well, I, I will, I, I'll think about because I've never had one. And obviously I've seen them. And uh, you, like I said, you bring one in quite frequently, the stuff that you bring. So I might might have to add that to my uh, my kitchen.
2: And, you know, of course, we've got all of these, you know, modern conductions kind of cookware to cook with that are a lot lighter and a lot easier, you know. But for me, again, it's just having that really nostalgic moment. And then you can find cast iron pots, which are really huge, which are great for, you know, that favorite gumbo that you want to make. Uh, you know, making uh, huge pans of dressing. There's just so many things that you can do, and they come in a variety of sizes, uh, Kevin, from very small to extremely large. So,
0: you know, that thing that's interesting to me is on the box meal in a box things that uh, <laughs> I talk about, the couple of ones that I do, it, it always says that. Um even if you're using a non-stick pan, that it suggests putting a little bit of olive oil in there, which to me uh, has been very successful. I mean, I, I think that's a good a tip. Uh, but I thought the first couple of times, I thought, well, that's why you're supposed to have a non-stick pan. But uh, the olive oil helps out, and I guess it adds a little bit of flavor as well.
2: Well, if, depending on what you're cooking, if you cook it in your non-stick pan, you could be in a lot of trouble when it's over with. Because what you don't want to do is get something seared to the bottom of that pan, and you can't clean it really well. And you don't want to take um, something and scrub it because then you ruin, you know, the, mm-hmm, the skillet itself. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: All right. So let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the apple. Uh, the, uh, what did you call it? In the apple. It's, uh, is it an apple pie? Uh,
2: Kevin, you're like mom's apple pie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What uh, <laughs> what kind of apples did you use in it?
2: Uh, actually, I used Granny Smith apples. Um, and what I did, I didn't peel them. We just cut them up into very fine chunks. I left a little bit of skin on the back, which gives it, for even a, a better presentation, a nice bite. Uh, in this, you have little bites of white chocolate and pecans to add. And it's not really super sweet. It's a nice, wonderful uh, dish to serve with that favorite scoop of vanilla ice cream. You even said you could see some caramel drizzles on top of the ice cream. So it's really a lovely treat.
0: And I'll say that um, the, to me, the apples were good. They were soft, but they still had a little bit of bite in. They weren't soggy or anything. But uh, another home run and, uh, you know. Who doesn't like starting out their Monday morning with some apple pie? <laughs> exactly,
2: and then we put it in an Easter cup. So I saw that; that was very, yeah, very so festive. Yes, these bright uh, yellow flowers and stuff, so it's really cute. It was perfect for the Easter dinner table.
0: Uh, we'll end our first segment by uh, inviting Kathleen, called in from Osaka today, into the program. Good morning, Kathleen.
3: Good morning. Hey. Y'all are talking about nostalgia, so I thought about Deborah. All the blackberries are blooming right now, and it looks like we're going to have a bunch of them this year because of all the the weather that we've had, the moisture and stuff. So I thought I'd try to give people, look out for the blackberries and don't be scared of them. You can cook them. You can freeze them. You can make vinegar. You can make uh, waffle and pancake syrup. You can make ice cream cakes, all kinds of little things. And what a great way to get the kids and the grandkids give them each a little stick and make them wear their old clothes and pretend they're going on a safari and take them out (laughs) to the backyard (laughs) and find them some blackberries and give them their own little bucket i remember that was one of the uh things my father used to always take us he had a special blackberry lot that he liked and he would actually give us our own little call, like one had to go beep or boop or yuck, or something. <laughs> so, well, with five kids, you couldn't see them because the blackberries were so high. So, we had to, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, figure something out quick. Now, that's and, that's uh, really
2: funny, Kathleen, because my grandmother would do the same thing. But she would she would send us out to get the blackberries, and she would stand on the back porch. <laughs> And then she'd go, yeah, and we'd all get back to the house. And- yeah, <laughs> we all had a so you could
3: count heads without seeing them, you know? <laughs> I mean, hell with the snakes.
2: Exactly.
3: <laughs> get those blackberries in here. All right. My mother made jams and cons- conserves and uh, syrups and, oh, how she worked. How she worked, and um, it was a pleasure to them. I couldn't see where because they were sticky and hot, but uh, it's those things you remember.
0: All right, uh, Kathleen, thanks for calling us. A good way to start off the program this morning. Uh, This is Deep South Dining. We need to take a break. When we get back, we'll talk with uh, the folks from Crazy Cat Bakers in Jackson about uh, what they'll be bringing to an event called The Taste of Mississippi that's happening next Monday. Also, later in the show, we'll talk with Patrick Bradley from Nothing But Smoke about backyard barbecue. This is MPB Think Radio's Deep South Dining. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Later in the show, we'll be talking with uh, Patrick Bradley of Nothing But Smoke about barbecuing in Mississippi. But first, we've got a guest from Crazy Cat Eat-Up in Jackson. Uh, John Lansdale's joining us to talk about uh, Crazy Cat and also t- an upcoming event, A Taste of Mississippi. John, thanks for joining Good us morning.
4: this morning. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the history of, of Crazy Cat.
4: Uh, Well, we've been around for about twelve years. We uh, actually got our start with Taste of Mississippi. Before we had a physical location, we um, provided food for the uh, the event, which led to us actually getting a space in Highland Village for about ten years. So uh, it's always a you know a special event for us because it's just how we got our start.
2: Speaking of start, you've made my day a lot better already. <laughs> Please tell us what you brought in here today.
4: Well, we brought a sampling of some of our favorite desserts. We've got our bread pudding, which we always have at Taste of Mississippi. It's a just a classic bread pudding with candy pecans and a brandy butter sauce. Then we have a um, peanut butter cobbler and a uh, lemon dream pie with uh, fresh blueberries.
2: So, Kevin, you're going to have to definitely try this. This is.
4: Well, I noticed that
0: <laughs> as soon as you came in. The the pie's in a, a big styrofoam thing. Deborah grabbed it and slid it right over to wait, her. Wait, so. wait!
2: I didn't grab it. He actually kind of put it over here. You're just terrible. That's all.
0: This it is, is it's really gorgeous good.
2: though. Absolutely gorgeous, Thank you. and the taste is fantastic, Kevin.
0: Yeah, again, violating every rule of good broadcasting, <laughs> we're eating on the air. But when you got good food, it's hard to resist.
2: So tell me, how do you create your menu? What how do you, what inspires you to come up with your desserts?
4: oh uh, well, you know, we're always looking for something new or a different twist on an old favorite. I like looking through old uh, cookbooks, you know, from uh, my grandmother or just from garage sales, just old, old ones. And then you just reinterpret them to uh, a present day or whatnot. Um, but, you know, I don't like things to be overly fussy or, you know, if it's got 30 ingredients, it's just not worth my time. It's, just, it's not going to work. There's something that has six that's going to be just as tasty.
2: Well, that's the thing that I really love about Southern cooking, in particular, is it. It doesn't take a lot of ingredients to create these wonderful, delightful treats that we love, and make them very decadent. Presentation is always gorgeous, and I always think sometimes simple is better. Yes, ma'am. You know, and then it's a lot easier to pronounce than a lot of those, sois uh, kind of things <laughs> that I've had before. All
0: right. So, um, Taste of Mississippi is going to be April 9th in downtown Jackson. If you would, tell us a little bit about what it's all about.
4: Well, uh, you know, a stew pot, a uh, really good organization here in Jackson that helps provide services to those in need and food and in shelter. And they've been around um, well, ever since I've been in Jackson. So, um, you know, we'd love for them not to be needed, but they are needed. So we need to do our, our part to, ha- to help make Jackson a little bit better, a little bit better for those less fortunate. But they've got, you know, most of the restaurants in town and in the suburbs um, – Provide a sampling of their food. They've got uh, some wine vendors that will be there. Um, a tea, I think community tea, will be there providing drinks and whatnot. They'll have entertainment. It's just a good, fun event.
2: Well, the last time I went, I absolutely, because I'm a social butterfly, so I love the fact that there's so many people from all over the state that are going to be there, and then there's a hodgepodge of food from one end to the other. There's nothing not to be happy about being there. And like you said, you're celebrating and you're giving back to the community at the same time. It's a win-win for yes, everybody. Ma'am. And Howland Village is such a beautiful place. So is that where it's going to be housed well, this year?
4: Well, uh, last year for the first time it was at um, downtown in the um, – the Railroad District and the South, two old warehouses downtown right. that are event venues now, and it's going to be there this year. Uh, so we're That's happy to be place. there. It's a it's a great event.
2: Absolutely. So can you? Is there a cost associated with coming?
4: There is, um, and I don't have that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think okay. it's about you know, if you get them before, there's a little discount, so you can go. I think you can get them online and get a little discount if you buy them early or at the day off. It's just about you know ten bucks more at the door.
2: So tell me about this T-shirt that you have on. I'm so jealous because it says, Eat Up. I love that.
4: Well, some friends of mine came up with, with the the name Eat Up when I was moving from Highland Village to our current location was trying to, to change the focus off from just a small restaurant, small little kind of deli counter service restaurant to a full-fledged restaurant. And they just came up with the name Eat Up. It sounds Southern. It kind of puts you in a mood. You know what it's about. Uh, it just, um, you know, it just it just kind of... You know, we're welcome you to our table. We just want you to eat up and enjoy.
2: It sounds good to me, Kevin. We need to make a stop real soon together.
4: <laughs> Somebody's made a happy plate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take me long to plow through
0: something that tastes oh, that good.
2: Taste
0: i um, so um taste this. So tell us a little bit. I mean, I guess you've brought several desserts in. I imagine more than just dessert at, at Crazy Cat. Tell us about some of the other things that are on your menu.
4: Well, for for lunch, we've got uh, a wide selection of salads and sandwiches. We do a really good, uh, a, we just call it a classic southern tomato pie that um, is real popular. We've got um, a, um, a meatloaf entree, a meatloaf sandwich that we just cannot, you know, we've got 10 trays of the meatloaf in the oven right now. We sell <laughs> uh, so much of it. And, um, you know, we've got lighter items and more heavy items, so we can pretty much, you know, accommodate, you know if you want something heavy or just a little nice little salad. and Everything's fresh. We, uh, you know, we make it all ourselves. And, um, you know, it's just a nice little quintessential neighborhood restaurant is what we call it.
2: Now I want you to tell me a little bit more about that tomato pie.
4: It's, um, we serve them in individual little ceramic ramekins. It's got a a flaky uh, pie crust. And then it's alternating layer, layers of tomato. And the filling is just a mixture of... Uh, couple kinds of cheeses, some fresh basil, a little mayonnaise, because it's the south, we've got to have the mayonnaise, (laughs) and then a little panko. uh, Oh, wow. uh, Instead of just traditional breadcrumbs, it just gives a little nice little crunch in contrast to the uh, tomato. It's just nice.
2: Okay, and so when I come to get some of that meatloaf, what what can I expect it to be served with?
4: Well, we've got it, uh, like I said, we have it as a sandwich, and the entree, it comes with... um, or uh, green beans, uh, mashed potatoes, and a smoked tomato gravy.
2: Did I did I mention that you know i I'm, I'm kind of crushing you right now? Anybody that serves <laughs> meatloaf is number one on my list, right?
0: <laughs> so you mentioned uh, that recently you changed locations from Highland Village. Um, tell us a bit about you, maybe. That whole process, uh, I imagine, a little bit daunting to maybe go from something well, small scale to a little bit larger. We but were in
4: 643 square feet, which is a tight squeeze, and that had the kitchen, the bathroom, the counter, and you know six tables. But we fortunately had the courtyard at Highland Village. But it came it came time to move, and um, as you know, as everybody knows, um, you know Highland Village had new owners at the time, and it just wasn't feasible there. So we looked. All over. I brought in a, a business partner, Gary Hawkins, who was the chef at the Fairview uh, Bed and mm-hmm. Breakfast, uh, to help up the ante on the on the food. Because uh, you know, I'm, I'm just self-taught, but he actually, you know, has the tall hat and the, <laughs> the pedigree and everything. But we looked. We looked in Madison, Ridgeland. I looked in in Clinton, and I, I hated to leave the city. Um, and then just on a Just someday, this guy called and said, you know, my wife ate at your restaurant, and uh, I've got this space open in a little shopping center I have, and come and look at it. And then everything just kind of fell into place. So um, what's your favorite thing on the menu? I I have a sweet tooth, I have to admit. And I I like chocolate. uh, Um my favorite item and it probably is we do my grandmother's chocolate cake we call it Geraldine's chocolate cake and it's her cake but we always change up the frosting um than what than what she did and it's just a simple country cake it's what she could make buying um groceries at the uh, gas station across the street you know Hershey's cocoa buttermilk flour and eggs and butter and it's a it's the best chocolate cake I've ever tasted it's just wonderful and um uh, you know it just reminds me of her and that's kind of the connection that we want to do with our food and in bringing some old traditional southern food or styles that just connections to the past that just you know if you can win a customer over with that you you've you've got them for life and and we've we've heard that several times and you know that's what we're just trying to do and not all the new trendy fads or they they come and go but you know um you know that that good classic southern inspired food today for the for the modern urban Southern liver living.
2: So for the young entrepreneurs that are listening today, give uh, some advice about, you know, starting from the ground up, this whole process, you know, the, the pros and cons for you.
4: It's not easy. (laughs) Um, Well, in another life, I I, I had a different profession and then had just started waiting tables. Uh, I had lost my job. I had to do something. Couldn't, couldn't have any downtime. And um, I had done that through college and it just kind of I, happened. It just kind of happened that I, I opened a um, a restaurant. But, um, you know, there are no get-rich-quick schemes, except for every blue moon something will happen. But it is hard work and, and sacrifice. You have to be willing to put in the hours. And, you know, the, all that stuff you see on TV with these cooking shows and restaurant thing. it's just, <laughs> you know.
3: It's, it's Hollywood its is It's best. Hollywood. It is
4: fictionalized. <laughs> you know, there were, uh, you know, 100-hour work weeks. There was um, – Doing without so that you could pay uh, an employee something, it's just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go on. It's just, you know, hard work, but it's very rewarding.
2: I think, you know, and I'm really happy to hear you say that because I think a lot of times, um, you, you know, especially with younger kids, they, they don't really understand that it is the blood, sweat, and tears that come along with being great, whether you are you know owning a restaurant or whatever your pursuit is in life, there is going to be a price to that. And especially if you're going to be sustainable, you know it, it's just not going to happen overnight.
4: Well, you know, I don't want to trash talk somebody, but I've seen several restaurants who had a budget 100 times what I opened with who have failed in the time that I've been open. Um, but yeah, you because know, the owner's never there, or they, um, you know, they just cut corners, or they just, you know, they're just not willing to to work, you know. And you, you have can't to. throw
2: money at a success; you, you can't. really have to earn it, it.
4: Is, it. just it's, like character. It's hard work.
2: Exactly, you can't put perfume on it and say it's character. Exactly.
0: And also, I, I guess too, there there has to be a passion there. Uh, for in your case, I guess a passion for
4: you, good food. You have to you have to enjoy it. Uh, I love our customers. Um, um, you know, when we when it came time to expand or our our customers came forward with the investment money uh, to do it. Uh, And we didn't get huge investors. We just, you know, we kind of did little small chunks that wouldn't hurt anybody. Um, It was harder than I thought. I hate asking for favors. But, you know, we had developed a relationship over 10 years with them, and they knew that, you know, I was there every day. The same waitresses were there every day. We weren't, you know, a fly-by-night and they, uh, they backed us. And, uh, you know, building those relationships is just as important as building a good food product. You've, you've got to have a relationship with the customer to survive.
2: Now, that's the kind of love story mm-hmm. that, that will be worth writing about, you know, 50 years from now. When your customers are so invested in what you're doing that they show up and they own a part of your dream. Mm-hmm. The, you know, they're supporting you and they want to see you succeed. Then you know you've got the right kind of niche. Absolutely, we've been
4: really, really blessed and fortunate. With you know, we have customers who are bringing their family from you know Houston or Dallas or Memphis. Uh, You know, those are great food cities, um, and they'll they'll bring them to us. So we're really happy when that that happens.
2: Well, I can't wait for the whole world to show up at your table. How about that?
0: And you know, and then kind of giving back to the community. Taste of Mississippi is an event that where you and the other uh, restaurant uh, folks in town can. Not only share what what your passion with folks, but also as you mentioned, a good cause.
4: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're happy to help.
0: All right. So it's the thirty first annual Taste of Mississippi, and it's April 9th in downtown Jackson, the Railroad District, which I guess is is it near the 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 rain the uh, the uh, um, Amtrak
4: depot? No, 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 it's over Okay, sorry. Near Howland Miles. Okay. Um, the the Railroad District and the South, which used to be an Old McRae's mm-hmm. warehouse, mm-hmm. Um, kind of. Thomas Street on one side and State Street on the other. Okay. And
0: full details at tasteofms.org. So, John Lansdale, thanks for joining us on Deep South Donning this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, When we get back, we'll be talking barbecue with Patrick Bradley from Nothing But Smoke. You're listening to Deep South Donning on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear
1: previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Just want to mention again a taste of Mississippi. Uh, is April 9th in downtown Jackson. We want to thank John Lansdale from Crazy Cat Eatup for visiting with us. He's one of the restaurants that you'll find there. It's a benefit for Stew Pot. Um, and so if you need more information on that, you can go to tasteofms.org. Currently in studio with us, a friend of the show, Patrick Bradley from Nothing But Smoke. we we'll to be talking barbecue for the rest of the hour. Patrick, uh, glad to have you back in studio with us. Good morning. Good morning.
2: Oh, there he goes already. He's getting started. Look, Kevin. <laughs> Java was like, wait, where is everybody? We were out in the hallway trying to grab
4: I mean, if, if we had a camera for
1: uh, this morning, because we have more food than we can handle, and everybody's trying to take bites in between breaks. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy
0: so um, remind us again a little bit about uh your business and some of the i think if I remember correctly, you're also um a barbecue judge is that right i am uh, I right.
1: was just partake in one about a couple weekends ago at in Madison, um jacktown throwdown um uh, and it was yeah it was formerly in Jackson, but they moved the venue from the ag museum to to madison um Upcoming one that I'm doing is uh, in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Um, I think it's in a couple of weeks. Um, the, I think it's the Hog Jam mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. And in May, uh, there's one in Brookhaven, and there's one in Greenwood on the same day. So I had to pick and choose which, which one, because one of them is KCBS, and the other one is uh, Memphis Barbecue. So uh, between those two, it's a very busy schedule for the cooking competition.
2: So remind our listeners again: How do you become an aficionado for the barbecue trail?
1: In order, uh, well, you just go on the on the websites or what have you. Um, and for those particular entities, KCBS, uh, you can sign up to be the judge, and they have those classes in various places. Uh, I think I did the KCBS and. Brookhaven, Mississippi, uh, the Memphis barbecue. I had to go to Arkansas, was West Arkansas, Memphis. Uh, but if you go online to those various um, sites, they'll tell you where their
0: testings will be.
2: Go ahead, Kevin. I was just
0: saying, there's some, so, I mean, it's, it, taste is something, but I mean, I guess there are usually some real guidelines or things that you look for as a judge when you're judging barbecue competition. So what are some of the things uh that the winning entries will have the, the 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 best way to do a barbecue I guess
1: the presentation uh the the first thing we do is uh, of the appearance um after which you then get the um, the actual product um, you taste it uh you're looking for the taste the texture the tenderness and that's how you judge those uh those winning winning meats and uh normally with KCBS, there's four meats that you have to do in that day, which is ribs, chicken ribs, pulled pork, and brisket. And you have to do all four of those. And it depends on how many teams are in, in competition that day um, to whereas um, you have to go down
0: various, <laughs> <laughs> you have to consume a lot of uh, entries, so I imagine, to me, when you're judging something like that, it's hard because, you know, you might taste something and think, wow, that's really good. But then, you know, you've got to kind of have a neutral b- b- idea until you taste all of them. So it's I, while, while everyone, I think, would originally say, wow, I'd love to be a barbecue judge, it's a fun thing, but it's not maybe as easy as some people might it's think. It's
1: not. If, you, if you're if you in the, what we call the, um, you have the regular competition, but then you have the, the finals, and as a finals judge, that's where the, it's the best of the best, the top of the top. So now you have to go to a number system. So, you know, just like in grade school, when you're doing GPAs, this person might have a 3.94. This person has a 3.95. So the difference <laughs> is, a, is a, the, 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 the decimal point deal. Um, and that's where it comes down to who's, who's great that day. And it's it's the numbers because they could be tit for tat, but the distinction is which one was better than the other. Mm-hmm. See, so both of them are great, but you know you're trying to distinguish that decimal point.
0: And I think a lot of uh, backyard barbecuers use barbecue sauce, but I, I, I think if I remember correctly, in these competitions, there's no sauce. It's just uh, the barbecuing
1: the meat is it depends they is it, it's it's optional okay um with sauce and without sauce um but i think the think the last finals i have done all of more sauce okay but it's it's you know you can either have it on the meat or you can have it as a, on the side mm-hmm. and for dipping purposes but uh most times that's part of of the judging so they would have to present the sauce um, for that. Entity.
2: So have you ever, you know, had a bite that you wish you had not have had?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible question. <laughs> well,
3: yes. But
2: no, Kevin, the reason I'm asking because, you, you know, I've had the privilege of judging a few competitions and unfortunately there are some there are those moments where you just go, did I just really bite that? Yeah, and had, it's just kind of well, interesting.
1: We had, we had one competition. <laughs> I
2: know it sounds terrible, and but
1: it's bad. It was it was a rough day for judges. I mean, not just my taste buds, but for the consensus of the judges because we all just kind of looked at each other like.
2: It happens, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Not a great day that day, but
2: yeah.
1: it happens.
0: All right, so what, uh, again, maybe to folks wanting to improve their, their backyard barbecuing skills, uh, what would, what would you say some tips are? What are some things to do right and do, uh, well, not do wrong, but what are some <laughs> things to do right so that you can please your family when you head out to grill, maybe the spring or in the summer?
1: Well, here, we, here we are with, with the personal, you know, I'm biased to certain things in the cooking game. Um of course I do, I do not use charcoals. Okay. Um, but, at the same token, um, I do low and slow. Mm-hmm. And that's the low and slow part is it just takes its time. It, it's a natural effect. Um, the seasoning is going to be the the main, you know, that's makes it stand out. Um, and, you know, I I'm sort of like a perfectionist when it comes to the presentation part of it. If it looks like it's a little too crispy – I, I don't I don't put it out there, so but the for you know as we call it, the backyard cookers or what have you when, when oh I want my my sausage burnt or this, <laughs> uh, you know but um it's it's my 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 approach is to low and slow,
2: okay, so tell me what do you feel about liquid smokes?
1: me and my <laughs> grandfather, who's ninety five or you know, ninety six he's one of those ages. I my uncle we we have this argument every week <laughs> <laughs> because they do a lot of smoking also and uh, I said man what are y'all what are you doing well it, it helps with the helps with the the content of the I said well if you smoke it with the wood just as if you you know it would come out authentic um I'm not a fan of the liquid smoke um it's something to get by with but I I preferably uh, don't use it, but my grandfather and my uncle—they they, <laughs> they swear by it. But you know, if you're just doing something intimate in the house or what have you, it it helps with the, the inside home cooking. But when you're out there slaving on that grill in the hot sun, you won't—you want, real you want the real deal, yeah.
2: So tell us what kind of wood, because we've talked about this before, that you prefer using when you're smoking.
1: Uh my preference of wood is hickory and cherry. So everything that y'all are tasting today is uh, cooked by cherry wood. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of the mixture of cherry and hickory um, with with red oak.
0: So you mentioned low and slow, <clears throat> and I imagine slow is that it's a, a, a slower process, uh, cooking over a long, longer time. What is the low part? The The... When the temperature, okay,
1: of the cooking, because uh, people think, okay, well, we need to crank up the heat. But if you get it at a two hundred fifty, two seventy five degree, that's low, and it's going to take time. So you know, on the average of a chicken wing that I cook, it probably takes about two and a half, three hours, mm. compared to putting it on the charcoal grill, which it takes <laughs> forty five minutes to.
2: So, Kevin, this is really funny because when y'all were talking about low and slow and I remember a barbecue that I went to and some friends, uh, I guess, you know, they were professional barbecue, you know, people let them tell it. Right. And so they got all this stuff piled up, you know, in their grill and they and all of a sudden they light this fire. And I heard somebody said, it's a fire. (laughs) It was a real fire. I mean, it was like, oh, my God, the meat that was on the grill when they finally was able to get it off, Kevin, it was Crispy and black, <laughs> and it had just really turned into extra choco. Oh, yeah. That's all you can use it for after that.
0: Now that might be a bite you regret eating right there. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned your your father, I think your uncle. So barbecue in your family. Tell us how did how did it all get started? Well, um, with me um, after college,
1: um, my grandfather actually had smokehouses, but at that early age, you really didn't know what was really going on. You just saw meat hanging and, you know, didn't know the concept. But as I got older and, you know, looking for a path of, okay, what what do I like to do? Um, I guess those things that he had done in previous years uh, just kind of sunk in mm-hmm. and I turned it into something different because they just did it, you know, a certain time of the year. Uh, but for me, I smoke. Year round, so, uh, but I would say it's in the in in the bloodline. He never did, we, n- we never talked about it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happened, and so, but then when you look back, you see that he, that was a, a major influence.
0: I, and I think that's the way to do it. I think you know if if if. I think if, if parents want their kids to do certain something, I think if they push too hard, it can sometimes have the opposite effect. But it sounds like, in your case, it was just around your family, and maybe later in life you thought, hey, you know, I've been around this, maybe this is something I could pursue.
1: Right. Well, um, with it, you know, like I said, start started out with the tailgates. Um, and, you know, you get the compliments of, oh, this is nice, this is, I like this. And you try to improve the game in cooking. And so um, I went from direct heat to indirectly, which is no fire up under it or what have you. But um and I saw how the present how it was presented. And so the concept of indirect heat makes uh perfect looking meat. All right.
2: Now talk to us about this chicken salad that Java's wife absolutely loves. She has to have this chicken salad. Tell us all about it.
1: Oh Miss Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a
2: minute,
1: Java you got a whole container of chicken salad the <laughs> the chicken salad can not you when you're when you're it's not reinvent the wheel it's just kind of what can I do to broaden the horizons um started out with just the the grilled chicken um breast and I would use those when i go deal with uh when i did um, certain events that was like an appetizer or a little sampler uh with the chicken breast. So one day I was like, and I think I was going to Kroger to get um, Honey Bake their salad. And I was like, this salad is very expensive. <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, for me, I was like, well, how can I or what can I do? And me and uh, one of my uh, great friends, um, we just we got together and said, hey, let's, let's try to make this happen. And from then on, the concept of smoking the chicken and And the ingredients and
0: it is one of the
1: top talkers of the town
0: right now (laughs) we need to take one final break this hour when we get back we will wrap things up we're visiting today with patrick bradley from nothing but smoke talking about barbecue we'll wrap up deep south dining after this break this is an mpb think radio podcast To
1: hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We've had quite a day on the show this morning. (laughs) Earlier in the hour, we talked with the folks from uh, Crazy Cat Eat Up in Jackson. They brought in some great desserts. Currently... We're visiting with um, Patrick Bradley from Nothing But Smoke, and he brought in some great uh, food for us as well, including what we were talking about before we went on that last break, smoked chicken salad. Uh, we, we managed to wrestle the container away from Java, <laughs> get a couple of scoops in here.
2: First of all, we had to hog tie Java, knock him down. <laughs> Seriously, this is crazy because he'd have hit the chicken salad, talking about I'm taking this to my wife. These brownie points. What are you? Shout serious? out to Crystal
1: Chapman. <laughs>
0: I'm trying. I'm trying to have a happy, happy life, happy wife, happy life.
1: Shout out to Crystal Chapman.
0: <laughs> but this really is good. You can taste the the smoky flavor in it. Um, so what else, other than the chicken salad? And if you don't, I mean, and if that's a secret, I you know I don't no want to spoil secrets any. Here, no okay. Secrets. So what what do you add to this chicken salad?
1: Um. With the with this with the smoked chicken, uh we, we put the sweet pickle uh relish. Um miracle whip. Not not mayonnaise or mayonnaise or anything, miracle whip. And a few drippings of brown sugar to kinda you know <laughs>
0: Well, I, is, uh, I love chicken salad.
1: I, I'm looking at Deborah's expression.
2: I mean, this is this is really good. But this has been like one of the funniest mornings because there's at least 15 people in the hallway. I've never bumped into people before trying to get a little bite of food. It's just been hilarious around here today. From the crazy cats to to nothing but smokes, it's been a wonderful morning. Absolutely wonderful.
0: But yeah, this is this really is delicious chicken salad. So, um, so. When it's just you, you're doing it maybe for yourself, some friends, family. What's your favorite thing to cook? Uh, my favorite.
1: I, this weekend was Easter Resurrection weekend,
0: and I
1: I'm trying new things for you know just to brand the the business. Uh, we did um, baby back ribs this weekend, so I cooked about. Uh, Java was counting the money earlier. <laughs> 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 about 13 slabs.
4: Oh wow. And
1: reason reason so many because I, it's 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 an excitement when you have it on the grill. But you have 13 slabs on the grill and it's just it's, it's a cooking thing. But my favorite are um is the baby backs and the spare ribs. I just I, I like cooking the ribs.
2: Baby backs have got to be like uh, beef heaven or something for me. It's just uh I mean it's pork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I meant to say pork. It's just, I did
1: some beef ribs also. Yeah,
2: yeah but it's just like baby backs is just that one bite that you get that's just like oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: It's it's a very tender uh portion of a, of a rib. It's more tender than the actual spare rib. Uh but it was just a joy to, you know, I took pictures just to see all of them laid out across that, that big grill, and uh, and the time it took to uh, actually do it was uh, was fulfilling.
2: Now, you partnered with another one of our friends in terms of using some of his seasonings. Mike's been here before, Mike's seasoning, so tell us about why you like using his product.
1: I met Mike at Kroger. I, I stay in Kroger. I should be a promotion. Yeah. I should be a promotion for <laughs> Kroger cause I'm always in Kroger. So shout out to Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> right. But Mike was doing a presentation in the Clinton branch and he was like, Hey man, you know, try try this, blah, blah, blah. and he was doing the, the chicken breast in the little this little skillet. And he put he did one with uh, a the mm-hmm. sweet Asian sauce and he did one with another glaze. And when I tasted it, you know, I got that yeah. wow, this is good. Yeah. And I and I asked him I said, "Well, uh, you know, where where is it, you know? Cuz I like it." And so in back of my mind with the creativity that comes into cooking, I said, "Okay. I know what I can do with that."
2: And that's a wonderful thing about you know trying uh, new spices and sauces and seasonings is because it, for me it does it it excites my brain and my creativity and I can pair things together. I know people that don't like their food to touch, but I've, I'm so so over that right because I, sometimes it's even biting things together. You you come up with entire new meals just in that one moment. It's right. like a eureka moment when you when you taste something.
1: And even though he used. The chicken for the presentation, I came home that night, and I had some baby backs that I had, I had done other week, and I just kind of dipped it, and for the smoke of a rib with the sweet Asian sauce, and it's not a, it's not a real salty or not a real hard-hitting uh, sauce, it just kind of complimented it. And so, shout out to Mike. Thank you, Mike, for, you know, so I'll, I'm a fan, and I'll be purchasing more for uh,
2: okay, so I have a question for you. We know that you judge competitions all the time, but are you planning yourself to enter any competitions anytime soon?
1: I am. Uh, one of the guys, one of my cooking buddies contacted me, and he um, he had went to a, one of the competitions, and he tried the stuff. They had a pre, you could try it before uh, the actual competition. And he said, man, you know, we got to do it. And I personally been wanting to do it, but it's just, it's so much work involved. And so for another comrade to come in and say, hey, let's do it, now I have some help. And so now it makes it more exciting. Now I got somebody that has the same mindset and we could work it together. So yeah, uh, we'll be working on uh, future uh, doing competitions.
2: Well, I I think that's really great because I think that's been a theme of the day Um, with our guest that was in here earlier. You know, they were talking about having somebody partner with you so that you could be successful. And I think that that's just kind of a theme in life you need to have sometimes in order to really win is to have somebody to, to partner with you. It's like I know every Monday that we do really good here because I have Kevin Farrell who's here and he, you know, it's like I couldn't. Do this. I don't want to do this without him. Right. You know, it's it's just kind of like we're Batman and Robin, right. and it just works out really well. Yeah. So you always got to have somebody there to help you.
0: All right, uh, about thirty seconds left. Again, back to the backyard griller. Is there a, a type of barbecue that's maybe harder to do successfully than others? And say maybe something that if you're just starting out grilling, you maybe need to save for the pros. If
1: you start out, do not start out with brisket, okay? <laughs> you will, because it's a it's a thicker meat and it takes. Uh, a, a long period of time, and if you wanted to perf- to perfect that brisket, you know you got to you got to know what you're doing because you will mess up a. Very fine piece of meat, and it's very expensive.
0: All right. That's going to wrap us up today. Uh, by the way, I second Java's wife. That is really excellent chicken salad. <laughs> Deep South Dining. I know
2: he ate the last bite, right? You <laughs> got out the Christmas. I told you
0: you could have it. It's fine. <laughs> Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo uh, and her daughter Jordan, I believe. So, for Deborah Hunter and our guests, Patrick Bradley and John Lansdale, I'm Kevin Farrell. Coming up next, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Monday at 9 for another Deep South Dining. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.